This is Mike Lung with Allendale Market Talk, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Betsy Jibben. Most of you would know her from her reports on Ag Day and U.S. Farm Report. And today we were able to discuss the difference between marijuana and hemp and went into the future of hemp industry and what to do with it, where to bring it, all these questions that really have no answers, a lot of gray spots going here. So she sat down with me and gave a lot of interesting information. Hope you all enjoy. Great having you on the show today, uh, but let's let's jump right into it and go over what's the difference between hemp and marijuana. What's been the real catalyst between keeping the hemp out of the fields? Well, recently, because it used to be on the fields, uh, but what's the difference between the two and how is that really getting us from the scare of having hemp in the fields because of marijuana? So I'm not an agronomist, as uh, everybody knows here. I am a reporter, but I can I can report on what I've heard from different agronomists with the University of Kentucky and also with some different agronomists with Murray State, some areas in the southeast, especially in Kentucky, that's, that's used to growing this. Um, mm-hmm. I can kind of just say the, the bare bones of what the difference is, but I know when a lot of people think of hemp, they think it's marijuana. Well, I believe it's a it's a sister plant. I don't know if that's the correct agronomy term, but it is a it is a sister plant of marijuana, but there are some differences with it. And one of the things I thought was interesting reporting on this is a lot of these states which have not have not approved hemp production are nervous this is going to be a gateway drug or marijuana could potentially be grown next to these fields. I talked with somebody mm-hmm. with First Crop, Michael Bowman, and he said the irony about the whole thing is that unlike corn, and corn, for example, marijuana and hemp should not cross-pollinate. And if they do happen to cross-pollinate, it'll make the crop faulty. So therefore, it's kind of hard for both of them to, to coexist. And Oregon, for example, they've had problems in the past because they legalized marijuana and then they legalized hemp production. So now I believe they're in some challenges trying to figure out what they're going to do since both crops can't be planted next to each other. And of course, pollination, that can also drift some miles away. And so that kind of shows that you can't be grown both in the field and you can't have them both closer together if that answers your question right yeah now now Um, hemp does have a thc level and it does fluctuate so there is a small amount of thc but i'm not sure what the end product is is like when they're done processing it of how much thc i just know it has to be below a legal limit and marijuana is higher yeah what i gathered from the hearing the hemp production 2008 farm bill hearing is I, I think that what they're going for is less than 0.3 percent THC yeah I think that's yep. their allowance uh, but there was was a lot of up in the air uh, with that hearing as well as well as the USDA uh, webinar that was on a while back but how uh, speaking of the going down to Kentucky and everything how was that farm journal hemp college was very informative what was it like being there Well, thanks for asking. I appreciate that. It was really interesting because it's one out of three or four Farm Journal hemp colleges that Farm Mm -hmm. Journal is going to be hosting throughout this year and into the beginning of 2020. And it was one of the largest single day events we've ever had. 
And it was, it was, we had about 500 people there. And then we also had to turn people down at the door who did not register and just banked that they could get in because we had a, wow. we had a packed house and we weren't even expecting that many people. And so being there, I interviewed some different folks who have grown hemp in the past. I went to some hemp farms. And then I also interviewed folks from around the U.S. who just have so much interest because they want to make money. They feel like mm-hmm. this is a way that they can potentially cash in. They feel like it's a new way to farm, even though it's a resurfacing crop. And they just want to check out their options right now, especially with the farm economy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not a far stretch to think that a lot of people are looking at various other ways to be making money with what's been going on trade-wise and everything recently. So that's pretty interesting to hear that actually you had to turn a lot of people down. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if farm drills would have feel about me saying that, but but it is true. It's it's a large event. And so we have some others coming up, ones in Iowa in September. We have one in Chicago in 2020. We have one in Indy coming up. But it, it seems to be a crop where there was a lot of interest, but there's also a lot of uncertainty with it. So hopefully this interview will help uh, answer some questions too as we move forward. Yeah, I think the biggest question a lot of people have is the, the federal oversight on it, because right now it seems very loose. It seems state to state really has somewhat a grasp going on, but listening to the hearing, it sounds like the USDA, FDA, and EPA aren't really on the same page right now. Do you have any insights on on some more information about that? Oh, man, how much time do you have? To... I feel like I could take up a lot of your time with this. It, it The way I... <laughs> Exactly. Too much time. Interviewing folks, it does not sound like they are on the same page, just from some of the folks I've talked with. So we can definitely go over the THC and transportation side of things. So remind me if I forget to cover that. But one of my biggest things too interviewing was, okay, we have this old farm bill that's extending into the 19 growing season, but yet we have the 2020 farm bill that's not implemented yet. What is going on? So the way I understand it and the way um, some have explained this to me is that the 2014 Farm Bill has been extended into this growing year. Okay. So there have been different states who have been very influential and very progressive with growing hemp. Kentucky, for, for instance, is one of those places that has grown hemp since 2014 or so. But right now, because we're at the old Farm Bill that mainly had people grow for research purposes. It's a state-by-state decision until the 2020 Farm Bill goes into effect, and it's in the 2020 season. So if you are wondering whether you should grow hemp and you did not grow it this year, chances are you're going to have to wait until next year because they're pretty close to harvesting in the southeast. So, And you will have more opportunities in the new Farm Bill. So right now, basically, is it's a state-by-state decision, and each state has to allow a permit system from each state's Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. And so the permit system takes probably, I don't know, 30 to 90 days to potentially get that permit process. So it's really not that long, but a grower has to apply for it. And uh, Michael Bowman with First Crop told me that 23 states participated in growing hemp last year, even though more legalized hemp production just because they were waiting for some Mm -hmm. of those state permits. So basically, it's all taken care of by USDA. Each state can make a choice to either present its own plan to USDA, kind of an outline on what they think their grower should follow in the state, 
or USDA can present a plan. And if the state doesn't want to come up with their own, they can adopt this federal plan. Okay. So I know that's a lot coming at you, but that's kind of where we are at right now, especially as we wait for the 2020 um, uh, farm bill to be in effect. And most of the people I've talked with in the industry say most states will probably go by the federal level because they kind of do right now for regular production anyway. It's just going to be a little bit of a slow process. But the thing that is really holding up is hemp production is legal to grow, illegal for farms to grow it in every state except four, and that's Connecticut, Idaho, Mississippi, and South Dakota. And so when the 2020 Farm Bill comes along for those four states, they need to make a choice whether they're going to present their own plan, follow USDA's rules, or if they decide, no, we do not want hemp production, they can opt out. Hmm. Interesting. So it's kind of weird, especially if some surrounding states are all in hemp production, and then some of these four states just decide they don't want any part of it. It I don't know how long that's going to potentially last. And just talking with some people from those states, I think there's that misconception that hemp is actually marijuana as well. Right. Um, so right. we'll kind of see what happens there. It should be interesting. Yeah, that is, that is, and that brings you back to the point about transportation. If these states aren't allowing hemp to be grown, do they allow it to be transferred through the state? So say it's in no, okay, no, they don't. Um, and and that's the thing too is that I know there have been a couple of lawsuits going on. I don't know exactly which states, but I did talk with a lawyer with the Hoban Law Group, uh, Matthew Smith. And he was at the Farm Journal Hemp Conference, and he gave a presentation. And I, I remember he gave a presentation about two different states where hemp production was not legal at the time. And uh, they were trying to transport it across because you have to go across state lines sometimes to take it to a processing plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so state protocols are different in every state. And that was something that I don't know if that's going to change with the new Farm Bill or not. But um, state protocols are, are different for now. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many are, are copying the same type of format or if we'll have to see what happens with that. But the one thing to answer your very first question about what's the difference between marijuana and hemp, well, both of them do have THC levels and they fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And so from the time of planting and harvest and processing and even transporting it, the percentage can fluctuate, and you're if you're over that point zero three percent, when is when does it become illegal if it's in the truck? And when does it become marijuana by definition? And so that's something that he's working with, trying to determine some of these rules and regs that the industry just hasn't dealt with yet, since it's a fairly new crop compared right. to corn and soybeans and some others. That we've had and, and the crazy thing too is if you're transporting this it can fluctuate up and down the thc levels until it's made into an actual product and so he said transportation is one of the number one things that he's telling people who are interested in growing this is that document 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 until we get a better handle on what the rules and regs will be yeah I, uh, there's a ton of gray area and you could i just hear that from <laughs> right. the usda webinar and the, the hearing that we had it, i mean the fda straight out said we don't have a lot of data if you guys can send us data any kind of data you guys have found that would be great so we can get a better understanding because i mean the gray area when it comes to hemp is just so large you have so many byproducts when it comes to it 
And right. it's, it's incredible. But yeah, going back to, you said something about um, having to cross state lines to get to processing plants. That's actually something when I've been interviewing some hemp growers and everything, and even just day-to-day -day people, where do these people take their hemp once it's grown and harvested? Who, kind of depends. On, well, it kind of depends on what they're growing it for. You can grow it for kind of flower production reasons. You can grow it for hemp. You can grow it for uh, THC to make different, I don't know, lotions and supplements and everything that entails with THC. But I know someone's probably going to call in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's over 50,000 uses for hemp especially right. on the fiber side, you know, right. World War II, they made it for rope. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many different things you can do with it. Now, when I went down to Kentucky, that was the first time back in June that I actually been on a field that had hemp grown. And so I talked with two different growers in Winchester, Kentucky, and they both grew it for THC. Okay. And so um, they both said their number one advice is number one, make sure you have a place to take it. And they expanded on that and said, if you don't have a processing plant lined up, if you have no place to take it, then you're you're out of some money. You need an end goal and you need to be set up with with a processor who's who's willing to take it. Um, and the lucky the good thing about Kentucky is they have they've just been so instrumental in getting hemp production to the forefront, especially with Mitch McConnell being a big leader in that as they have many places to take their hemp for processing space. So they're kind of ahead of the curve. Um, but some other states, they have nowhere. And so you gotta figure out whether it's worth transporting costs to take hemp somewhere else or exactly how you're going to market it. And the second thing they said for advice too is every single person, even the agronomist said this, basically word for word, don't invest in any more than you can lose. Right. Yeah. It's an expensive crop and right now there is no federal crop insurance to cover that. And I mm -hmm. don't know if there's anything in the works, but for right now there's no federal crop insurance. There may be some private entities, but they're very very expensive. So any yeah. type of weather woe, which we're still trying to figure out agronomy wise if this crop likes wet feet, you know, does it have growing degree days? Does it have units? We're still trying to figure everything out. We're so behind with all of our research on it. And so don't invest in any more than you can lose. Yeah, talking about it, trying to figure out everything when it comes to growing the crop. I was actually, when I was talking to the one of the hemp farmers, she said her crop was going hot. And I got tripped up thinking that she meant the temperature was hot. She meant the THC level was going up. And I, <laughs> yeah. I had some uh, cake on my face there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, depending on the state and its protocols, if your crop goes hot, the state might have you destroy it. And mm -hmm. so if you invest in more than what you can lose and your crop goes hot on you and you have to destroy it because it's over the legal limit, then what are you going to do? Right. Then you're and I, even then, they're still trying to figure out, because that THC level fluctuates, I don't know how you avoid having a hot crop or not. I don't really know how you would test whether you mm -hmm. have a hot crop or not either. There's so many different unknowns. Right. Yeah. And there's no standardization there yet with the federal not quite there. Uh, so... That'll be another interesting thing to keep in mind going forward is how, how are we going to standardize this testing and making sure another gray area going forward. Right. And even with the rules and regulations, the way I understand it is if you 
grow hemp and you, let's say, use it for a, a label or a supplement that may determine whether the FDA is actually responsible or has that oversight, depending on how you label it, those could also be different rules and regulations. And so that's why I think these growers in Kentucky really have a handle on it because they're working with different companies. They have processing space that they're going to and they have a destination for a lot of their crops versus some other places where there's no processing space. I'm not sure if if we won't see the benefits uh, short term until we get some of those processors. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking to these farmers that have been doing for a while, did they say whether they were forward contracting this or they just have an agreement that they could take it there if they grew it? Oh, man, I don't know exactly about forward contracting. I wish I would have checked into that a little bit more. I just know that they had a designated processor they were giving it to depending on what they were growing it for. But okay. that's something I'll have to ask them. I think you're gunning for my job. <laughs> ready to take over with the good questions. But I'll uh, I'll check into that. Maybe next time I'm on, we'll we'll have an answer. Yeah, that should be interesting, especially with no federal crop insurance. That if they get caught in that Ford contract, what could happen? Well, ex- exactly, exactly. Especially when they're growing it outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got a year like this where it just never seems to stop raining until it does. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and the agronomy, the agronomy side of things, like I said, there's so many unknowns. One of the growers I talked with Winchester, Kentucky, his agronomist came by when I was there. And this grower told me this is the only crop I've ever grown where even calling my agronomist, it's hard to to call somebody and look for answers because everybody's on the same page trying to learn what this crop needs and what it doesn't. So I pointed out one of the rows and I said, how does this plant look? And he said, well, it's growing. So it looks good. <laughs> they just <laughs> don't really, some of them just don't really know yet. Right. Yeah. It's still a touch go process trying to figure everything out here. Still in the infancy of this all. Right. Um, right. Another thing that was interesting to hear during the USDA webinar was the question about banking. Was there anything elaborated during the Farm Journal Hemp College about what banking's going forward with hemp? Is it because I know cannabis, the side of things, they're having a real problem trying to figure out where to put money. Is it the same way for hemp or the way I under the way I understand it, interviewing a couple of banks is that it's it's hard to get money, and some of these startups have to use some of their own money to invest in it because these banks are seeing all of the unknowns, and that <laughs> that's a pretty high risk for them right. to invest. And so we had a couple of companies come in to the Farm Journal Hemp College because they wanted to find out more information, and they wanted to find out whether this is worth the risk because their clients have interest in growing it, but they need to know if they're giving a loan amount, how much they're willing to give. And they do want to know some of these things, whether there's crop insurance involved, whether there are different chemicals involved, whether they have any problems with transportation. And so I do think that the banking side is pretty limited for now, going back to don't grow any more than, than you, than you can lose. But we'll see what happens in the in the future with it. But I haven't heard of, of very much on that side with the banks getting involved yet. Yeah, I bet their actuaries are going crazy trying to figure out all the right. risk and reward. <laughs> right. And and there's just, you know, the FDA wants to know what's going on, too. And so it, it may be a couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and was uh, another thing that came up was uh, the uh, was it the FDA or EPA? Uh, one of them has pretty strict import uh, restrictions for hemp going forward because obviously Canada they're they're pretty well ahead of us when it comes to cannabis and uh, hemp. Was right. anything brought up about that and how forward it would be going internationally back and forth cross borders with this, or was that still too way too early for that kind of conversation here? I didn't hear anything about that conversation, but um, again, I'm going to write these down. <laughs> Steal your questions <laughs> for my next story. So I'm not sure about that process. All I know is that it's pretty loosely regulated, especially when it comes on the THC side. And some of these guys think eventually the market may be flooded because a lot of people are very interested in the mm -hmm. THC side of things. But it's pretty loosely regulated that I don't think there's one rule um, that a lot of these growers have to follow. So when you're buying this THC product, I don't think there's exactly a place of origin where you can track down exactly where you bought it. I'm not sure if black market is the exact term for it, but I do think that they, the way I understand, they really need to potentially heighten up some of their, their rules and regulations. So not just anyone can produce it. Right. And then you have better tracking database there. Right. So I don't know if that impacts the imports or exports or whatnot, but that's something I'll have to find out next time I'm on. Interesting. Well, how can people reach you and uh, can you reiterate the hemp colleges for them out there? Sure, sure. For To reach me, I am a national reporter with Farm Journal. And so basically I work on the TV side for two shows, Ag Day and U.S. Farm Report. I'm on Twitter. So you just type in my name, Betsy Jibben, pretty easy to find. You can find my email there too. And please go ahead and contact me if there's different story ideas. Or um, if you have any questions on hemp, and I can try to get in touch with the right people, um, especially if you do have an interest in growing this. And then also our hemp, our Farm Journal Hemp College is coming up. We have one in September, close to Des Moines, Iowa, in that Altoona area. We have one in Indianapolis, I believe, in December. And then I believe we have one in Chicago at the very end of January. So signups, I think, have already started at least for the Des Moines area. So go ahead, get signed up, reach out to me if you have any questions. I can try to get a hold of uh, one of my coworkers if you need anything else. Awesome, thank you very much. I'll be having a lookout for that Chicago one. All right, uh, yeah, I better see you there. <laughs> awesome, well, you have a great one there. And again, thanks for joining us here on Allendale Market Talk. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out. 800-262-7538 email service at allendale-inc.com. You guys have a great week.